everybody. Welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks podcast. This is your favorite sexy librarian, Rose Carraway. Today's show is one I am very excited about. Today I'm featuring some of my most favorite people in erotica, a stupid fish dream team, if you will. First, I've got my good friend, the silken-voiced Lucy Malone. She'll be narrating someone whom is quickly becoming one of my favorite writers, the endlessly clever Salome Wilde. And if that's not enough, I've got a longtime compadre of the KMQ, Alan Dusk. Oh man, this is gonna be fun. But before we get going, I've got a couple things to get to first. First, I wanted to share a very nice voicemail I received the other day from Lurid listener Michael. Hey, Rose, it's Michael from Little St. Louis, and I just wanted to let you know that I uh, finally got around to getting my uh, reviews of uh, Sweet Danger, and everything is posted now on iTunes and on uh, Amazon as well. Uh, I found out when... I looked on Amazon that you could also get an audio option, so all the much the better. Anyway, I hope I did uh, did right by you and that uh, that you like what I wrote. Anyway, take care. Keep the stories coming. Bye. Ah, oh, Michael, that is awesome. Thank you so much. It actually totally means the world to me that you've left those reviews, so thank you. You know, here at the KMQ, We don't have sponsors, commercials, or some other kind of deep pocket financial backing. All of our support comes directly from you guys, the Lurid listeners. Each purchase goes directly to the costs of producing the show. The show would not exist without you guys putting your money where your ears are and supporting us. You can think of the CAMQ as the national public radio for sexy talk. So please keep this train a-rollin'. Pick up a copy of a Rose Caraway audiobook in Audible and iTunes. Thank you again, Michael. You are awesome. You definitely get a copy of my new audiobook, Tool, Eddie the Augur's Misadventures in Porn. I think it might already be in your email box. Oh, that's right. I should have told you guys. Tool is out. It is all done. Finito. And it has been delivered to all the beautiful, lurid listeners who have left lovely reviews in iTunes, Amazon, and Audible for any of my audiobooks. Thank you all for your support. You guys are awesome. If you've already purchased a Rose Caraway audiobook, but haven't gotten around to leaving a review, be sure to do so, and then send me an email to thekissmequicks at gmail.com, and I will send you Tool, Eddie the Augur's Misadventures in Porn, right away. If you haven't purchased a Rose Caraway audiobook, what are you waiting for? If you want Tool for free, all you've got to do is leave a lovely review on any of my audiobooks in iTunes, Amazon, or Audible. Be sure to send me an email to thekissmequicks at gmail.com. You can use Twitter or Facebook, either of those works too. And then I will send you guys a copy of Tool, Eddie the Auger Harley's Misadventures in Porn, before it goes on the market. Two audiobooks for the price of one. It doesn't get any better than that. Okay, one more announcement before we get started. Many of you have already heard the little audio hints or teasers at the end of the last half dozen episodes or so. It would sound something kind of like this. Halo sex is coming. Halo sex is coming. After hearing that, you were probably thinking, what the fuck is that? Halo sex. That was our silly way of giving a little hint of an upcoming episode that we've been planning and working on for months. Actually, I hesitate to call it an episode. At the risk of sounding overly dramatic, I'd prefer to call it an event. Okay, you're right, that sounds ridiculous. How about... Extra special, super-duper, kick-ass, rock-your-world episode featuring musical guest. Are you ready for this? Nine-inch freaking nails. I know, right? Totally fucking cool. 
We've been fans since the very first album, Pretty Hate Machine, and the fact that we get to make sexy audio art with Trent Reznor's Nine Inch Nails is just, well, it's a dream come true for us. So get yourselves ready for Halo Sex, the Nine Inch Nails episode. So excited. Okay, on with the show. Up first is a story called Plasticity by Salome Wild, narrated by Lucy Malone. Plasticity is not your typical erotica trope. In fact, I don't think I've read anything of Salome Wild's that is typical. She has a very unique voice in erotica, and I love her for that, and I think you guys will too. It is my privilege to present Plasticity, written by Salome Wild, narrated by Lucy Malone. I was one of those children that always had something in my mouth. The tit first, of course, though I'd happily chew the nipples of bottles even when they were empty. Also fingers, pacifiers, toys, or food. As I grew, so did my repertoire. Knuckles, the pad of my thumb, earpieces of eyeglasses, key fobs, pussy, cock. I wouldn't call myself indiscriminate. I know what I'm sucking, licking, and chewing on when I'm sucking, licking, and chewing on it, but I'm rarely empty-mouthed. And when I am, I'm wishing my mouth was full. Mood doesn't temper the fixation, though it can alter the objects of choice. Good nervous energy, the kind that inspires me to take new risks, work harder, explore self or world in fresh directions, makes me eat. Starting a new piece of writing, for instance, means food. Baby carrots are great. I like to hold them between my back teeth and press down, suck them, then hold the end with my hand and scrape my teeth like a grater over and over and eat them in shredded layers, finally snapping the twig at the end and crunching the little core. Such ornate pleasures, however, do not keep me from wolfing down dreamsicles. Yes, I chew on the wooden stick afterwards until it begins to soften and splinter, and digging into pot pies with equal aplomb. Bad energy is when I most delve into non-food orality. Painful breakups from relationships I never should have entered in the first place have left me with an apartment full of eraserless pencils and nails chewed down to the nub. My most recent casualty of the heart wasn't even worth the stomach aches I devoted to it. Believe me, you don't even want the details. Suffice it to say, I moved him in with me from across the country with no job prospects after only a brief and predictably trite internet affair, and he spent six months sponging off me and giving me guilt about talking to my mother too much on the phone. But I cannot loathe him too much, because the breakup did give me more than just a room full of crunched-up bendy straws. As I busily threw out any evidence whatsoever of his existence around the apartment, I found myself shifting into an unexpected and unfamiliar cleaning frenzy. I'm not the neat freak type. That's anal, not oral, right? So... I'm throwing out his geeky Inuyasha t-shirt that was left on the closet floor. And okay, I confess it. Before I trashed it, I put it over my face and smelled it one last time. And I see this shoebox in the back corner I hadn't opened in years. I knew what was in it before I even opened it. And somehow I felt all shivery and excited with anticipation anyway. I brought it over to the couch, pausing to pet Miss Lemon, my greedy, sofa-hogging, equally oral fat cat, the only one who does not judge me for my messy, foolish life. I sat down with it on my lap and carefully raised the dusty lid. And there she was. Western Fun Barbie, circa 1990. was missing, and the fringe on her pink jacket with enormous padded shoulders was unraveling. Her hair was the precise kind of frizzy mess Barbie hair always is after a week or two, when you've styled and bunched and combed and ignored it. Her boots were gone. But her feet, oh, her feet. 
so perfect, with their pristine insoles and ridiculous arches. I remember viscerally how I longed to bite them off when I'd play with her. Oh, that rubbery plastic of her feet, so juicy and perfect to snap off with hungry child teeth. But I forbore, with this doll alone, entirely because I had chomped the toes off of all the others, and my parents swore that I would never get another Barbie if I dared dismember this one. So I satisfied myself with chewing and sucking on all her boots until they were unwearable, and let the temptation of her footed perfection drive me deliciously mad. And now, here she was again, just as enticing and flawless in her sexist version of beauty and comical pink and purple pseudo-Western style as ever. I laughed as I looked her over, and decided I had nothing better to do than indulge in that wonderful pastime of undress and dress. I removed the jacket and skirt, undid the Velcro on the little blouse beneath, and soon she was naked. Her pointy breasts hard, her waist twisty, her pink smile absurd, and her legs so long and juicy they made my mouth water. And then, yes, I put them in my mouth and suckled. I let my tongue lap and flick like I was sucking cock. Licked between the legs like delving between long, thick labia. Fought hard against the desire to let her slip almost out so I could touch, then chew those precious feet. Such temptation, and now no reason not to give in. But instead I teased myself, and Barbie, by sucking her legs and just enjoying the feel of her phallic length in my mouth. And then I heard a whimper. My own pleasure, of course, at having something in my mouth to suck. Something inanimate so I did not have to worry about his rejection. Something female so it wouldn't make me think of him. Something cock-like so it would make me think of him. So, of course, I would enjoy it and make little enjoying sounds. But after a few contented moments, the whimpering grew louder, and it was so entirely clear that it was not mine. I pulled the doll from my mouth and looked around the room in that insane way you do when you think you're suddenly in a horror movie and if you snap your head around fast enough, you'll spot the ghost of the class president who killed herself in high school. Or, in this case, the whoever it was who was making little high-pitched erotic noises while watching me suck Barbie's legs. When that didn't work, I looked at Miss Lemon, who was curled in a sweet little feline ball with her tail covering her nose. Obviously uninterested in either Barbie sucking or little erotic noises from nowhere. I gave a mental shrug and thought about doing more cleaning or maybe writing or chatting online or forcing myself to eat something. But then Barbie's legs were just all I wanted in my mouth right then. So back in she went. I really devoted myself this time, thinking about how it would be to have a lover who truly appreciated my devotion to all things oral, who would constantly command me to suck their genitals and nipples and asshole and tongue, as well as their fingers and toes and ears and belly and whatever else struck my fancy. Why did I keep ending up with idiot women who only liked penetration, and tongues didn't count, and moronic men who passively accepted blowjobs only until they were hard and ready to fuck? The whimpering noise started again, this time louder, and damned if the more I sucked, the louder it got. I didn't take her out of my mouth this time, but still whipped my head around to see what could be making the noise. But when I slipped my tongue up and hard between those creamy, tender plastic thighs, the pitch raised, and I realized, without a doubt, that it was Barbie herself who was moaning. I pulled her from between my lips, fast, and looked at her absurdly smiling face. It did not move. I expected it to, frankly, because if she could moan, I was in the twilight zone and she should be blinking and her mouth moving too. Funny how once you go there, you just go all the way. But she was not moving and the sound stopped. Then, of course, I had to experiment. Into my mouth went her legs again and the whimpers began again. Out of my mouth and silence reigned. Entirely insane, sure, but I wasn't thinking about my breakup at all now. An idea suddenly came to me. Spread those legs and make Barbie come.
damn, Barbie's legs do not spread. I had never realized this, or perhaps I had, for Western Fun Barbie came with a horse, long ago lost or given to goodwill, and no way could she ride it, except maybe sort of side saddle. Right now, though, I wanted to lick Barbie's pussy, more the flat plastic patch that substituted for it. So I took her out of my mouth again and scissored her into the splits, so limber in some ways, so rigid in others, and licked and lapped at the space between her leg joints. The whimpers became a whine then, inspiring me to lick faster and faster, devoted entirely to my task and feeling like a feminist goddess giving Barbie what she has deserved all along for her suffering in an impossibly shaped body. It fed me too, and I grew wet, then wetter as I labored, until at last the wine stuttered to a ghostly, oh, and I knew my doll was coming for me, just me, and I was giving it to her just the way she wanted it. When her orgasm noise stopped, she was not silent, however. She started making little puppy noises, like there was more she wanted, but I could not understand them. I kept licking, but the sounds did not change in timbre or volume. I put her legs back together and put them in my mouth again, but still the same urgent little sounds. I put her down in my lap for a moment because my pussy was wet and I needed to adjust my panties, and then her vocalizations grew more intense. Barbie wanted me. Who was I to keep the girl from getting exactly what she wanted? I removed my underwear, spread my legs, excuse me, Miss Lemon, don't mind my splayed thigh in your face, and teased my clit with those lovely feet. Barbie made a high humming noise now, and it brought the delights of battery-powered vibes to mind. My frizzy-haired girl teased and played and danced on my pussy, I pressed her toes down the cleft of inner labia and back up again, around and over, firm little plastic roaming my slick flesh until we were both whimpering together as she brought me to climax. Now she's my constant companion, sitting on my desk as I write, on my kitchen counter while I cook, in my bathroom when I go. She sleeps on the pillow where the ex's head rested. She never hogs the covers, she loves the way I suck, and she's always hard for me. Oh, and even when I'm tempted to bite the toes that feed me, Barbie always forgives. Plasticity by Salome Wild. Narrated by Lucy Malone. Now to round out this truly talented trio, or triple T as I like to call them, I've got Alan Dusk with his amazing story, Terminal Affair. There are quite a few longtime Lurd listeners who are thinking, hey, haven't I heard this story already? And yes, you're right. Terminal Affair was originally published on another podcast. Um, but here's the thing. Alan Dusk is probably one of the most all-around talented guys that there is. He does it all. He's directed and produced full-length movies. He's an amazing art designer. And he's one hell of a writer. I love his horror fiction. Um, Caught White Hand... I could list them all. Caught White Handed, Her Lover's Touch... My favorite, uh, Shady Palms, Pixie Cut. He, go to his website, alandesk.com. I know I'm going to give all this information at the end, but I want to give it to you now. Um, go to alandesk.com, or if you're on my website, you'll find all of his stuff there and on Facebook too. So I highly recommend that you guys check Alan Dusk out. I hope you enjoy Terminal Affair by Alan Dusk. Ambient chimes, glimmering green lights, 
Dream Ether consumed distant memories. Grainy sleep crumbled from Kinari's eyes. Gradually, details of the stasis chamber appeared. Are we there already? She mumbled while stretching her arms above her head, life support tubing dragged across her face. An affectionate digital voice replied, Yes. The ship has assumed orbit over Dot 24. Have any of the others awakened yet? No. According to mission protocol, you are the first to be liberated from stasis. Really? How long has it been? The ship has been in orbit for three minutes. No, that's not what I meant. Fuzzy mission details drifted through her brain. How long have I been asleep? 300 years, 4 months, 6 days in old Earth units. Kanari detached the support cable from the graft below her collarbone. She disliked the presence of the bioplastic against her pale blue flesh, although she knew it was a necessity. There was no other way to survive the frozen sleep without circulating precise chemical blends throughout her body. She slid back the door of her sleeping chamber, then slowly sat up to prevent a head rush. Steam rose from the thin gills angled behind her earbuds. Lapses in the ship's microgravity caused the edges of her dark hair to bounce around her shoulders. A shiver stiffened the intricate scale pattern scalloped along her spine. She swept her bangs from her face just as another shiver hardened her nipples. Damn, I forgot how cold space can get. Despite her desire to close the lid and snooze for another few decades, she knew the entire mission could be jeopardized if she didn't get moving. But first, she said out loud, I'm taking a shower. Kanari wandered through the stasis chamber, mesmerized by the stacks of frosted pods clustered around her. On occasion, she steadied herself against the safety railing while the gravity systems continued their calibration sequence. A deep yawn stopped her cold in the center of a junction lock. She stretched her arms high above her slender body again, then cringed at the chorus of cracks popping along her joints. She pressed her face against a porthole, and her breath was snatched away. Stars surrounding her were light-years beyond constellations from her known universe. This corner of space had never before been explored by anyone. Kanari still couldn't fathom why the Cosmic Senate had approved a mission based solely on data gathered from a probe blasted off course by an exploding pulsar. What was once a cluster of blurred pixels and fractured data now shimmered below. Acidic waves from shallow oceans crashed against metallic shores. She knew there would be limited chances to shower alone once the rest of the crew woke up. She needed to seize the opportunity while she had it. Anticipation quickened her step, convincing her it was safe to start unzipping her stasis suit. She dumped her clothes inside a hampered droid, then bounced nude across the tile to the closest nozzle. Her fingers slid over the controls. Heat rained across her athletic physique. Warm lather unwound knots deep inside her back. Kanari dipped her head under the spray of water. A long sigh blew through her lips as heated luxury soaked her scalp. Steam quickly filled the chamber. Every humid breath rekindled memories from her homeworld, Umi, in the Aquarius constellation. She pictured double orange sunsets over the rainforest and remembered faces of her friends at the academy. It was difficult to grasp that they had all died generations ago, yet it seemed like she had just boarded the HMS Zenithal yesterday. Lost in her thoughts, Kanari pumped soap into her hands. Three hundred years locked inside a drifting coffin, devoid of all contact with others, was far too long for an oversexed species to go without pleasure.
hands glided over a flat stomach and drifted down her thighs. Soap bubbles trickled over fine, translucent scales. Fingertips teased fragile skin. Yearning ignited inside her, begging for further gratification. Her hands slid lower over the darker scales decorating her mound in a thin strip. Slow circles traced around her clit. Desire throbbed through her, puckered her areolas and darkened their hue. Temptation teased her pussy with dull aches. I don't have time for this, she thought, but I'll never be able to concentrate on the mission if I don't get this out of my system. Kanari pumped more soap into her hands. Menthol vapors delighted her flesh. Hands slid between her legs, savoring the gentle burn as froth penetrated every tender fold of swollen pussy lips. One hand rubbed her clit while the other teased the slick opening to her cunt. Pleasure danced about her nerves, tingling her limbs as her excitement built. Lust arched her back and curled her toes. She pressed her ass against the shower beam, transferring vibrations from the ship's engines up through her crack. She stretched her fingers wide so she could gently slide her pinky through her tight asshole. Oh, fuck yes. Ecstasy's momentum ravished Canari's senses. A moan gradually escaped her trembling lips and echoed through the chamber. Her footing slipped against the orgasmic rush. Dizziness overwhelmed every breath. Her knees buckled as she was about to come. Oh shit, sorry. A voice shattered her euphoria and froze her galloping heart in mid-beat. Canari's double membrane eyes popped open as she tore her hands away from her crotch. A human stood just inside the shower entrance. A hand slapped over his eyes once he realized the intimate moment he happened upon. Oh, I thought I was the only one awake. Embarrassment seared Canari's cheeks. Suds oozed down her thighs as she reached for a towel. I should have known better. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to just barge in, but I could hear you all the way down the corridor. A smile curved along his strong jaw. His eyes traced their way up her body before locking onto hers. I can give you some more time if you need, or maybe I can join you? No, no, I'm done here. It's all yours. She reminded herself to breathe as she scampered away. She slipped once but caught her balance on her escape toward the exit. Suit yourself. His chuckle echoed through the doorway behind her. Space can be a lonely bitch sometimes. She entered the changing room, and a hover droid floated out from its cubby to meet her. Greetings, Specialist Canari. How may I be of service? I need a fresh uniform, and I would like my personal supply pod brought up from deep storage. My pleasure. The droid scanned her with a green beam. She toweled moisture from her flesh. I've dispatched a service droid to retrieve your pod. Tiny rotors spun along its arms when it reached into a nearby hatch. A moment later, it floated over and set a supply canister on the bench near where she stood. Standard specialist attire. Do you require anything else? Yeah, get me a pair of stabilizing boots. This fake gravity is making me sick. Certainly. The droid flew toward a hatch opening in the wall. Canari popped the latch on the canister. Stale antiseptic fumes hissed past the seal. Inside was a pair of gray undergarments, socks, and a navel blue jumpsuit. She cringed at the thought of the coarse fabric scratching over her sensitive skin. She would rather wear a stasis suit all day, or better yet, a traditional leaf dress from home. But neither of those were mission approved. Just suck it up, she told herself, while slipping into her suit. You have a mission to do, so quit acting like a hatchling. Canari studied her reflection in the mirror. So this is what a 300-year-old looks like. Not bad. Her breasts were perkier than ever, probably a result of the anti-aging serums pumped through her vessels before the big sleep, but she didn't mind the result. She brushed her hair back and examined her smooth facial features. 
Her face was still beautiful after all these years. She always found it disturbing when Earthlings told her she looked Japanese. On her planet, the term Japanu meant ghost. Even after a long search on the galactic web, she was puzzled as to why they always wanted to compare her to something on their planet. I'm Umerian, always have been, always will be. They don't even have scales. Those silly humans. I look nothing like Japanese. The droid hovered over and set a pair of boots beside Kanari. She was too engrossed with her thoughts to notice. She pinned her name badge above her left breast pocket, ensuring it was perfectly aligned with the seam. After a quick DNA scan, her name and rank illuminated the smooth surface. The shower had helped ease tension from her muscles, but the stress of her mission continued to mount in the back of her mind. Missing details gradually emerged from buried memories. Some of the finer details remained clouded by her long sleep. Hopefully they would return once she had a chance to review the notes at her workstation. The stability boots made it easier to navigate the ship. She found her way to her quarters without getting sick, the only side effect of microgravity that seemed to plague her every trip. Her supply pod hovered next to the bed, delivered efficiently as the droid promised. Kanari locked the door behind her. Time was ticking by. She popped open her case and rummaged through it. Beneath her hollow photos and plasma charts, sandwiched between her awards from the Academy and hidden away in an old food tube was her favorite sex toy. The mission was Priority Alpha, but after her failed tryst in the shower, she still had something she needed to get out of the way. It was a spiraled vibrator powered by a grain of antimatter, which Kanari fondly referred to as Old Red. Sweet dew wept from her pussy. Desire glimmered in her sights as her fingers traced over the smooth contours. Kanari dropped her jumpsuit around her ankles and then laid back on the bed. The power core activated after a quick tap. Life rattled through the toy clenched in her hand. Joy soaked her smile. Her eyelids fluttered shut, unlocking a torrent of fantasies to swim through her brain. Her girlfriend from the Academy sunbathed beneath twin suns hovering across the sky. She rubbed bountiful handfuls of tanning oil over her supple breasts. Sunlight glimmered across her lip gloss before she kneeled between Kanari's thighs. Kanari rested the vibrator over her panties. She lightly tugged at her nipple with slow, twisting motions. Tremors rippled her flesh. Slow strokes teased the dampness spreading through her crotch before the tip of the vibrator settled on her throbbing clit. Excitement flushed blue pigments through the slick scales, skirting her pussy. She squeezed her nipple until pain faded into candied numbness. Then she pinched the other one even harder. Her slender tongue danced over her lips, leaving slick trails behind. Euphoria injected warmth below her stomach. Torrid heat rushed through her nerves, beating sweat between her breasts. Control abandoned her. Soft moans laced with increasing rhythm of her panting. Kanari reached both hands between her legs, pulled her panties to the side, and plunged the vibrator deep inside her. Supple muscles clasped the smooth spiral shape gliding through tender walls, engorged by desire. Two fingers rubbed her clit as she angled the focal point so it channeled all the energy through her G-spot. She suckled her own juices from her fingers. The flavor drove her closer. Pressure built deep inside her until precious agony cramped her pulsing clit. She held her breath, lightly biting her lower lip while her bliss increased its momentum. Her cunt clenched down, anticipating the powerful climax building within her. Like the towering waves on her homeworld, her orgasm swelled to epic proportions. Just as her pleasure prepared to crest 
and she swore she would come harder than ever before. A loud rapping shook her door. Specialist Canari, open up! The pounding shook the door again. Fuck! Canari rolled off the bed. She tripped from the jumpsuit wrapped around her ankles and nearly cracked her head against her pod. I'll be right there, she yelled, rushing to power down the vibrator. She knew her room smelled like sex, but it was too late. The door shook again. We need you on the bridge right away. One second. She bounced to her feet and zipped up her uniform in a flash. Frazzled by orgasmic tingles still haunting her cunt, she threw her vibrator under her pillow before opening the door. What is it? Canari's twisted reflection stretched over the guard's visor. I've been ordered to escort you to the bridge immediately. She followed behind his broad shoulders as they jogged toward the elevator. The door closed behind her, and in the blink of an eye, she stepped out onto the bridge. Artifact flickered across view screens. Lights danced among quantum computers. Power grids surged, overhead lights dimmed, and the ship yawed toward starboard. Who's in charge here? Kenari asked. What's going on? A slender officer with tentacles for arms slithered toward her. I'm Captain Lychee. Thank you for coming so quickly. Scissorjaws chattered beneath a veil of smaller tentacles. We've detected erratic shifts within the planet's magnetic core. The captain handed her a hollow tablet loaded with mission data. I need you to evaluate the energy levels and tell me if the thorn generator will even work under these conditions, or if our whole mission is doomed. Canari poured over the information she had been handed. The numbers were off the scale from anything their algorithms had ever projected. A moment passed where she felt nothing but guilt for stalling to pleasure herself. The immensity of the war and the looming threat around them forced her to cast her shame aside. She was the only gravitational physicist on board, and operating the thorn amidst chaos was her specialty. The slightest miscalculation could kill them all. Is the ship in any immediate danger? Kinari asked. No. The captain shook his head. It's a strain on the bias drive, but once our other two reactors come online, we should be able to stabilize without a problem. The antimatter cores are already entering their pre-ignition phase. Do we have detailed scans of the surface yet? Kinari envisioned the starting points of complex equations in her mind's eye. The probe's just returned. Data should be online soon, but feel free to take a look from here. Kinari walked toward the plasma-reinforced window, which spanned the length of the bow. Green energy arcs swam throughout the ship's energy shield before erupting into sparks. The electrical chaos parted, offering a god's-eye spectacle of the planet spinning below. There's probably more rhodium down there than we could have ever dreamed of. Her voice trailed off as the majesty of the view overwhelmed her. We'll be able to build the strongest warships in the universe. The captain stretched his tentacles across the glass. We'll finally be able to crush our enemies. Kanari hated the thought of war, and the only thing that had brought her here was the hope of ending it. The Black Armada had laid waste to her entire solar system. Her homeworld, Umi, the planet she longed to return to so badly, now only existed in her memories. Kanari studied the data again. Let me get to work. Her thoughts rambled from her lips. Once we have the full scan, we'll want to hunt for some place like a high plains area. That should be able to give us enough room to work. And then from there, we should be able to manifest the wormhole near the equator without too much interference. Worry consumed the captain's features. So you really think you can pull it off? 
This has never been tried over such a long distance before. That's the beauty of it, Canary winked. Space is space. It's just as easy as folding a napkin as long as you have two thorn generators at opposite ends to stabilize the dark matter. I have no idea what you just said. The captain smirked. But if you can get it to work, I'm sure they'll award you with a Medal of Merit. I don't know about a medal, Canary shrugged, but I just want the fighting to stop. If you don't mind, I'm going to get started now. Make haste, the captain said. After a quick salute, Canary made her way to the elevator. The acceleration was unnoticeable as the pod whisked along at past twice the speed of sound. She entered the airlock just prior to the special missions bay and donned her pressure suit. She left her stability boots behind. They would be useless to her out there. The bay would be without the leisure of life support and gravity until all of the reactors were online. Lighting would be minimal as well. She strapped an extra work light to her wrist, just in case. She dreaded what was about to come, yet still found the courage to open the hatch. Shipping containers dwarfed her profile. Support beams groaned. Erratic field shifts lurched the ship around her. She knew the cargo could snap away at any moment from the strain. Theoretically, everything was weightless for now, but there was no telling what would happen if there was another surge from the planet. Heavy things also had a notorious habit of shifting when gravity was restored, and the reactors would come online within the hour. Her stomach lurched. Kanari cursed the nausea that weightlessness still caused her once in a while. Puking inside her helmet would suffocate her in seconds. She closed her eyes, concentrated on filtered puffs of air hissing with each slow breath, and drifted blindly through the bay. Her nauseous rumbles soon subsided. When she opened her eyes, she was delighted to see she had reached her target without running into anything. Kinari grabbed hold of the strap securing the thorn generator and used them to climb along the gleaming surface until she reached the control pod. She clamped her safety tether nearby before keying in her access code. The controls folded down as power lights twinkled on. Pink plasma displays materialized around her. She pecked at the controls while trying not to become too irritated with the restricted movement of her gloves. Power crawled through frozen circuits. All main systems came online. Sensors measured multiple bursts emitted from the planet's core. Programs determined slipspace coordinates. Simulations predicted stability amidst a multitude of variables. Canary's yawn painted a hazy coat of steam inside her helmet. Even with the most powerful processors at her disposal, the computation seemed to drag for hours, while only minutes passed instead. Alone in the dark, basking in the glow of small bulbs and shimmering plasma, boredom lured her thoughts away. Desires, which had never been fulfilled completely, titillated her with promises of satisfaction. She squeezed her thighs together, hoping to dull the ache tormenting her groin. Alone in the dark, nobody would be around to disturb her. Stop it, Canari whispered. There's no time for this. No time for what? The sudden voice came from beside her. Canari shrieked as she spun toward the shadow drifting into her work light. Instinct clenched her fists in preparation for a defensive strike. Whoa there, I come in peace, the man chuckled. She sighed with relief until she recognized the face through the visor. Humiliation flustered her stare. Hopefully he wouldn't recognize her from their earlier encounter in the shower. But she was the only Umerian on the ship. What are you doing out here all by yourself? Plasma ribbons shimmered across his dark eyes. It's very dangerous because the cargo could shift. I'm aware of the risks, 
Canari's teeth snapped. Every heartbeat resonated through her chest, provoking her nipples to stiffen. But there isn't any time. I can do this alone. Oh, just like in the shower, he laughed. Canari's lips twitched. Anger rippled her brow. She turned back to her work. Despite her best efforts to ignore him, she couldn't disregard the ravenous desire that thirsted for satisfaction. Hey, I'm sorry, he held out his hand. It's just really stressful around here. I didn't mean to offend you. She glanced over her shoulder at the vastness of the chamber. As far as she could tell, they were the only two crazy enough to venture into this part of the ship. She attempted to study the data swirling about the displays, but her efforts waned against the scent of her own wetness circulating through her suit. I said I'm sorry. Canari shifted toward him. Oh, you're going to be sorry. Because if you don't fuck me in about 30 seconds, there's no way I can keep my concentration. And that jeopardizes all of us. A baffled flinch drew his head back. What? Shut up. Canari unhooked her tether before grabbing hold of his suit. We don't have much time. She kicked off from the generator, dragging him toward the closest airlock. The door sealed behind them. Fresh air hissed through vents. Canari looked about her surroundings and smiled. A large window offered a breathtaking view of the electrical storm raging across the planet below. The man stuttered as she pulled away his helmet. Are you sure about this? She silenced him with a kiss. Her slender fingers slid through the silk of his short blonde hair. Their tongues swirled between each other's mouths as her fingers traced the contour of his jaw. They floated apart only long enough to tear away their pressure suits. Searching hands explored each other's bodies as they embraced again. Their silhouettes hovered before the window, spinning along with remnants of gear floating around them. His strong hands massaged her breasts. His lips wandered down her neck, kissed over her collarbone. Moans quivered from her lips. Warm tingling coursed through her, bristling fine scales along her neck. She unzipped her flight suit and pressed her breasts up to his mouth. His tongue traced the edge of her areola before he sucked it between his lips. Teeth raked her flesh, then tenderly bit her rigid nipples. Conflicting sensations of pleasure and pain nearly tricked her into coming. She abstained from the urge to release just yet. Canari slid from her suit and panties in one fluid motion. Her wanting gaze absorbed every detail of his stunning looks. Oval pecs swelled beneath his jumpsuit. Desire burned within his steel-gray eyes. She grabbed his broad shoulders to direct his mouth toward her slick mound. Impatience trembled through her. He anchored his arms around her thighs and then softly glossed his tongue over her pussy. Her hands grabbed the safety rail to slow her spin. She writhed against cold metal panels lining the airlock while his tongue swirled around her drenched slit. Stars floated past as she dreamed of soaring amongst them. His fingers slid inside and caressed her silky pussy walls. Thrills surged through her when the heat from his mouth sucked against her clit hood and his fingers rubbed her G-spot at the same time. Rainbow spectrums of starlight shimmered through the spittle that sprayed between her teeth. Ecstasy gushed through her cunt. Her nails clawed at the storm swirling past the window when she finally came. Scales along her ribs shimmered while she panted. Echoes from her climax continued twitching through her pussy. 
She grabbed his zipper and snapped it apart with a quick tug. His surprised gasp echoed through the airlock. She tore open his underwear at the seam. An eager cock bobbed into her view. A final yank cast his underwear adrift. She caressed his velvet smoothness of his erection before wrapping her hands around its shaft. A firm squeeze coerced a grunt from his lips. She twisted her hands gently as her arms worked him with long, steady strokes. She licked her pinky nail, then lightly probed the glistening hole in the tip of his cock. Uncontrollable cringes forced him to bite his tongue. Mischief tainted her amused grin. Canari drifted down his body, tasting his skin with soft licks, until she reached her target. She licked the tip of his cock and delighted in the way it flexed before swelling even more. Her mouth glided under his flesh, her tongue trailed over plump veins, surging with desire. She grazed her teeth against the base of his cock while she cupped his balls with her hand. His erection strained against her cheek. She pulled her head back, sliding her tongue over the top of his shaft. Her lips wrapped around the swollen head of his cock, examining every smooth contour as she slid him toward the back of her throat. Tears clouded her vision. The greed to taste every inch of him overpowered her urge to gag. She stared past the muscles rippling over his abdomen and relished in the delight reflecting in his eyes. In hindsight, she knew she should have fucked him in the shower, so now she intended to make up for her mistake. Canari pulled his cock from her mouth and kissed away his precum drooling from the tip. The salty taste fueled her hunger for the rest of his load. She flew up to embrace him, lust forged their lips together. I'll tie myself down, she whispered in his ear, so we don't float around too much. Sounds like a plan. His strong hands squeezed the firm contour of her ass. She grabbed the harness from her suit as it floated past, secured it to the railing, then quickly tied it about her waist. So far, her desires were distracting her quite well from the ill effects of being weightless, but she didn't want to continue taunting fate. Canari rubbed her slick pussy as he swam into position between her legs. He slipped his fingers under the tether to ensure he wouldn't drift as well. He rubbed his throbbing cock against her clit, teasing the smooth scales around her pussy with its tip. She arched her back, anticipation flexed through her toes. Don't tease, her eyes pleaded. She knew he enjoyed watching her writhe from the delicious torture. She squeezed her breasts together and twisted her nipples, she craned her neck, eager to witness the moment of penetration. Just fuck me. She bit her lip as every inch of him filled and stretched her pussy. She savored the hint of blood spreading over her tongue. He paused, transmitting his heartbeat through her delicate walls with each throb of his thick cock. Slowly, he rocked his hips against her, driving himself deeper inside her. He fucked her slow at first, so he could savor every twitch when she moaned. She grabbed him by the ass with both hands so she could pull him further inside her body with every thrust. His balls clapped against her ass, yet still she craved him deeper. Momentum carried their bodies against the wall. They bounced away before the tether snapped them back. Panels dug into Canari's back, but the intensity mounting in his stare was the only sensation she was aware of. Sweat floated away from their bodies, forming tiny orbs that glistened around the subgravity. His musky aroma saturated her senses. His thumb stroked her clit, causing the pressure building deep inside to burst forth. 
electricity flowed through her erogenous zones before her frenzy reached its peak. Orgasm blinded her. Ecstasy stole her breath. Euphoria set her free. Canari emerged, still trembling from her climax. Red scratches swelled across the man's chest. His thrusts grew quicker, his moans more frantic. She squeezed her cunt around his cock, studying him with amusement as he grimaced at the imminent sensation. Warmth rushed through her pussy. Delight enthralled her, driving her to climax again. His cock continued twitching until every last drop had spilled inside her. They kissed in silence, savoring the heat of their entwined flesh. Bittersweet sorrow surpassed the moment when he finally pulled out. With her cravings satisfied for the moment, thoughts of the mission at hand once again preoccupied her mind. Depression drifted through her, consuming her joy with a cancerous appetite. Emotion drained from her face when she accepted her next course of action. This is kind of awkward, he said, but I never got your name. Canari, she forced a smile to resurface. And yours? I'm Sam. Nice to meet you. They briefly shook hands. Do you think maybe we can get together again when everything settles down around here? Her smile vanished. I don't know about that. Really? But didn't we just have a great time? Yes, we did, Kenari said quietly. But now I have a job to do, and I can't allow you to get in my way. She reached over to tap the controls. Sam's mouth opened to utter another word. A blast of air ruffled Kenari's hair as he was flushed into space. The vacuum nearly dragged her along with all of their gear, but her safety tether had been knotted with expertise. The hatch slammed shut. Blood boiled from Sam's writhing body. Canari turned away from the horror. She grabbed a spare rebreather from an emergency panel and slipped it over her tears. Kanari returned to the mission bay where she drifted naked through the darkness toward the glowing controls of the thorn generator. Her lover's juices oozed between her thighs, further maddening her convictions. We'll never prevail, she thought. My entire world is gone, and the Black Armada shows no sign of stopping. The only way to end this war is to just let those bastards win. She surged the generator's power. After altering her program, the coordinates for spawning the wormhole were targeted at the ship's reactor core. Canari opened the airlock before leaping into the vacuum of space. Her nude body floated toward a familiar face frozen with terror. An Umerian's scaled flesh could only withstand the vacuum of space for brief moments at a time. She tore off her rebreather and pressed her lips against Sam's frozen kiss. Tears crystallized across her flesh. A brilliant flash vaporized the HMS Zenithal and scattered the lover's ashes throughout the cosmos. The stars never looked so beautiful again. He could feel the rumble. For Stupid Fish Productions, 
This is Rose Carraway. Thank the following musical artists Alex Barroza, Antony Rijakov, Azura, Chris Zabriskie, Docs, Flex Vector, Grapes, Nomina, Subliner, Culprit, Avid, Jazar, and the feature credit song Pocket Zombie by Flex Vector. I'd like to thank Salome Wild for bringing us Plasticity. Salome Wild can be found at salandtalerotica.com. She can also be found on Twitter at Salome Wild, which I highly recommend. She is hilarious. I'd also like to thank my good friend Lucy Malone for narrating Plasticity. She can be found at fromlucyslips.wordpress.com. You can follow her on Twitter at LucyMalone69. She's got a lot of sexy audiobooks in Audible and iTunes, so just search Lucy Malone and you guys will find all of her sweet treats there. An extra special thank you to the uber-talented Alan Dusk. He can be found at alandusk.com or on Twitter at alan underscore dusk. Search Alan Dusk in Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Smashwords, and soon Audible and iTunes. Hint, hint. I hope that you guys enjoyed today's show. You can reach me to let me know at my voicemail line, 202-810-KISS. My website, thekissmequicks.com. Facebook at Rose Caraway. Twitter at Rose Caraway. And my email, for those of you who like to email, thekissmequicks at gmail.com. Please remember, you guys, that the KMQ is like the national public radio for sexy talk. Please support this show and keep these stories coming by going over to iTunes and Audible and searching Rose Caraway. All of our support comes directly from you guys, the lurid listeners. And after you've purchased that audiobook, be sure to give it a lovely rating in Audible and or iTunes and send me an email at thekissmequicks at gmail.com to receive my new audiobook, Tool. Eddie the Augur's Misadventures in Porn, written and narrated by me, for free. The KMQ is produced by Big Daddy, Dave Carraway. Okay, everybody, see you soon. Stupid fish. Uh, the next porno that should be made should be spelunking with babes. That's what just came to my head when he said, I don't want to go by well, what about this? You should just write a story called spelunking, spelunking with babes. <laughs> I think that's awesome. That would be fun. I think that should go back to back with Bigfoot Lover. Yeah. Damn it. I wish that it was better written. Well, you could just write your own. Oh, I just got And you dark. could say that. You could say, look, uh... I wanted to do this a long time ago because I, when I saw this, but it just wasn't good. Maybe I should make it a Yeti because a girl's got to keep warm. You know, I mean, a tropical <laughs> hairy the, or a... You just made the slogan. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Yeti because a girl's got to keep warm. <laughs> <laughs> you just said the slogan. <laughs>
the tagline, girls gotta keep warm. What's another good porno title? Like, I think that that should be a Twitter thing. Give me a porno title, and I will make it a story. I'm going to Twitter that. Or you could announce it. Okay. Uh, announce it on the show. Okay. How should I broach uh, that subject? Just, it'll just be at the end. Uh, okay. So we can just cut in. All right, listen up, Lurid listeners. I want you to tweet me or voicemail me or email me or Facebook me the most redonkulous porno title uh, for a porno movie. Um, Like, for example, Spelunking with Babes. If you can come up with a fantastic porno movie title, I will use that as the fodder for a KMQ episode. I will make that episode happen. So think of a crazy porno title and I will pick the best one and turn it into a podcast episode. All right, ready? Go.